Welcome to this week's episode of Lagnapod. I am Rob Holbert, one of the co-publishers of Lanyap, and I'm with a whole bunch of people here. Let's go around the horn. I'm Ashley Trice. Scott Johnson. Dale Leash. Brady Petrie. Kyle Hamrick. Tommy Hicks. God, we've got a lot of people in this room. It's, I guess I am dumbfounded by that still. We're like <laughs> on week four of this, but it's just a, it's a huge crowd. It's a lot of people. So um, we'll start out this week. Scott, you had a really uh, interesting cover story this week it, about the concept of uh, police narratives and, and law enforcement narratives when uh, kind of controlling the public opinion uh, when, when people are arrested or when when cases are brought out in public. What's, yeah. what's your story about? Yeah, so the uh, law enforcement, the government in general, just has an inherent ability to be the first word on, on incidences, right. especially law enforcement, and that, whether malicious or not, that sets the tone. And what tends to happen is that they're very self-serving, usually. Um, you know, they're not going to go out there and purposely undermine themselves, say, hey, we did this all wrong. Well, what ends up happening is you get these kind of brushed over things. Uh, you've got, I mean, you've got examples in Minneapolis police with George Floyd. Uh, they called it a medical incident involving a police interaction. Like that's what the official re- release was initially. Um, and a lot of people took issue with that and then yeah. trying to cover something up. And, uh, you got Uvalde too, where initial praise for law enforcement and you had Greg Abbott coming out there, uh, governor of Texas praising law enforcement and, backpedaling almost immediately saying he was misled by their response. They waited out in the hall. They didn't immediately go in like they were supposed to. Um, so you got all these examples of, of them being very generous in the facts to themselves. And what, you know, there's, there's some collateral that happens. You can, uh, you can damage people's reputations because, um, you, you come out and say that the defendant or the other subject did something that they didn't, or you want to shed, put them in a bad, bad light and put yourself in a, positive one um and i think something too to remember about all this is that in a lot of cases that first that first narrative is what people are gonna a lot of people are gonna see and they won't see the 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 second narrative or the the kind of as as the case progresses as the investigation progresses we've had a lot of local examples of this too yeah we have right like uh, we had michael you didn't mention it in the story which i'm bringing up now but michael michael moore uh his his killing um, yeah, that press release that came out. That first press release. Which yeah. might have been the issue. It's just a bad press release. Yeah, and, I mean, that's exactly what the I think, I think that that's a fascinating one when you talk about that because it is, you know, I don't think anybody ultimately, or I'm not going to say anybody, but but most people realize that or believe that there wasn't anything the police did wrong in that in that situation. But the press release that came out was, right, Michael Moore who came out and he, he was a young guy, uh, an officer shot him, uh, pulled him over in a stolen vehicle. And he, I mean, even the guys in the, in the car with him said he had, he shoved a gun in his waistband and got out of the car. Um, officer shot him. The, uh, the initial press release though, basically said there was no gun found at the scene that Michael Moore's gun was not found at the scene, but was later found at the hospital, which, you know, I remember when we saw that press release, I was like, Whoa, this is uh, either the worst press release I've ever seen, or there's, there's some real issues here. And it turned out the gun was at the scene. There was a scene in um, in subsequent videos and things like that. It was lying there, but the uh, you know it really caused a lot of trouble. But you know other circumstances we're talking about in in the paper in your story this week. Uh, Baldwin County is one that is rife with this type of thing, and, and I think um, we've seen it on several occasions. Um, 
you brought forth the specter of Steve Nodine this week, which was uh, that'll that's going to that was a deep dive. That's going to get some people kind of fired up about it um, mm-hmm. because everybody's got an opinion on Steve Nodine, who was a former county commissioner and uh, was charged with murder. I guess what about 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, now. ten years ago. And and so uh, ultimately, he was not found guilty. Uh, there was a hung jury. In one case, they and they ended up trying to retry him, and and that all fell apart to the point where they ended up. He pled to some minor domestic violence domestic, harassment, right? Domestic yeah. violence and, and harassment. But you know, when you go back, it's very interesting to look back at it now, um, years later, and see some of the behavior that was going on, and say, you know, I've seen that again in subsequent years. But I mean, talk about some of the things that yeah. that they were that in his case that were put out there that turned out to be incorrect. Yeah. And I, um, what it was so rushed. You had 15 yeah. days from the incident into a grand jury indicting him, right. which these things take months. Yeah. I mean, that's, to, I, that's the fastest indictment I've ever seen. Right. Basically. And I, and I'm, this is just me just thinking out loud, but I mean, I'm wondering if that's why all this bad info got out there. Um, I don't, maybe people weren't maliciously trying to steer the narrative one way or the other, but maybe it was just so rushed. Things were getting out and they didn't know if it was getting out. You'll have to understand too. That was probably, I mean, that was like the OJ Simpson trial here. I mean, it was the biggest case. I mean, that is all anyone could talk about. I mean, for a long time. So I think they were Mm -hmm. trying to, everybody was trying to capitalize on it in some way. It was definitely some of that. And of course you had an election looming. You had a a district attorney who was, uh, you know, in a tough reelection battle and actually ended up losing it in the primary. But, you know, you had things like they put out that, um, hey, you know, we found blood on the in his vehicle when the the preliminary test there, the, the preliminary test done locally yeah. said it wasn't blood. I think it was Gatorade. And, and you know, and, and then they and when they sent it to the state lab, they said no, it's not blood. Maybe it was Gatorade. I don't know, yeah. but it was not blood. I think that's what Nodine um, told the me. The other yeah. thing that the sheriff uh, released over there was that they thought that they had video um, from her apartment complex when they were told that this video system hadn't worked in a couple of years. Uh, you know, those are, those are incidents. And we get back into one of the things you also bring out is the Jonathan Victor case, um, where Jonathan Victor was shot on the side of I-10, uh, back in 17, 2017. And, you know, we fought to get those, those the video camera stuff for that. And, uh, and the footage and unable to do that. In fact, went to the Supreme court and that actually ended up becoming a precedent that is now the the law of the land in Alabama, which is basically almost nobody can see video camera footage. And, um, you know, with, when they had a press conference announcing that the officer had been cleared, um, during that press conference, they the, the district attorney and members of the major crime unit pushed the, the concept that this guy was on narcotics. He said he was on narcotics. He was on ketamine. And... The reality of it is, is he was on ketamine, he hit ketamine in the system because he was given to him by paramedics after he got shot, mm-hmm. which is something that I would think if there was a thorough investigation done, they would have known that. Right. And you kind of, I mean, it, it certainly looked to me, I'll be, you know, I'll be totally truthful. It looked to me like they were trying to mislead the media mm-hmm. because they were trying to go down this road of he was depressed and he had, he committed suicide by a cop. Right. They, yeah. And they, they said he got out of the car aggressively, had his hands punched out like in a shooter stance, right. which a you know a federal judge 
reviewed all of this yes. and said, no, we yeah. didn't. Yeah, the federal judge just ripped them a new one, basically saying, no, this, that, uh, you know, a reasonable person would not assume those things. And also right. that he was pretty far away from, yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, they shot him when he was really pretty far away. Um, but, you know, that, I guess what leads into that is this case over in Baldwin right now, the latest police shooting, um, in yeah. Bay Manette. Yeah. So, it, I mean, with Otis or OJ French, um, he, Got shot when the officer involved shooting in Baymanet August 20th. And right now, there's just, we don't know a lot of what happened. He got pulled over for a traffic light being out. The officer asked him to get out of the car to look at it. And the, the, again, this press release leaves a lot to uh, be desired. You know, they yeah. basically get, he, from, from the time he gets out of his car, uh, to him dying, it just it just jumps to him fighting the cop, and yeah. there's there's really no explanation, and I'm sure all of that will come out during, or I hope all of that would come out during an investigation. But you know they've already said that they're gonna re- not they're not gonna release the body cam footage. Um, you know they're not gonna name the officer, and uh, it kind of leads to at least it kind of tilting into the favor of law enforcement at this point. This is a prime example of why we were all told we needed body camera. That's exactly why. This is why we were told we need to have body cams. We need to pay for taxpayers have paid millions of dollars for, for body cams for officers and because it would offer more transparency. And here's a circumstance in which you've got members of the community saying this guy wouldn't do something like that. This isn't the kind of person who would do that. Um, Even though he does have a, 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 a situation in his past, uh, you know, uh, eight years ago where he was, or eight, six years ago, mm-hmm. six or eight years ago where he was, he ran from police. Um, but you know, they're saying, Hey, it didn't happen. And police are saying, yes, it did. It would be easily proven by body camera footage right. being released, but that's, but that's not the case anymore. And so right. we get back into the circumstances of where the narrative doesn't, does it match what's being told or not? And when we got those, when we got that body footage from Jonathan Victor, um, when we were able to get it through because it was evidence discovery, in a, it yeah. was discovery in a, in a civil trial, the, I think it looked very, very different than what we were told occurred. Yeah. When you guys watched that first time, I mean, what was y'all's reaction? Uh, my reaction seeing it all was that this was a, a needless, death and that there was not a circumstance in which I thought that Jonathan Victor was, even if he had a gun, that it was that they were in particular risk at that point, but he didn't have one. And, you know, I think they had lots of opportunity to even try. They didn't even try to to determine if he had a gun or not. They just posted up and shot him when he got out of the car, mm. basically. Wow. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a really interesting story. I think it's something people ought to think about, you know, when you go back and look through it. And I mean, I'm sure people there'll be people who get upset by the by listening to Steve Nodine talk about some of the things that went on with with his case. But when you look back at it, there definitely were some issues. And uh, but I think it's it's a fascinating thing to to discuss when you're looking at um, when when big, especially police shootings occur and things like that. Um, how does the narrative get get brought out to begin with? Right. But well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with something maybe a little more uplifting. With Tommy Hicks. Hero Sports Bar and Grill now open seven days a week at both locations. Ask about our new hot wings, the Singapore Sting and the Nature Boy. Come have a clipper at Heroes, Mobile's own since 1998. 
Heroes Sports Bar and Grill now offers curbside seven days a week. Call 433-HERO for Dolphin Street or 341-WING for Hillcrest. Try our kick-ass spinach and crawfish dip. And thanks for supporting Heroes, a Mobile original since 1998. We're back with Tommy Hicks and some sports. So we have to deal with, with a little bit of housekeeping to begin with. So there's a – y'all read a story uh, that was on the web last night about uh, a coach spanking a, a player. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly. Uh, one high school coach, Josh Harris, has been placed on administrative leave uh, by the uh, public – Mobile County public school system uh, while they're investigating – uh, this case apparently a, a video a video is out there showing allegedly showing uh, Coach Harris spanking one of the players in, in the locker room. So there uh, because of that, that's led to him being placed on administrative leave. He's paid administrative leave, I believe, while this is being investigated. So uh, we tried. Uh, I reached out to Coach Harris, but. I didn't get a return call from him yesterday, and no one else is speaking about it other than uh, Renee Phillips, the communications director for the school system. She spoke about it? She confirmed. She did? All right. uh, He had been placed on leave, and so they're looking into that. So it's going to be, you know, this is the second coach. In a year, yeah. Like oh, that's an unusual uh, start to the season for them. It is. The um, so the uh, one of the things that uh, well, let's let's talk about the beginning of the season here. There's other things going on. There's actual football games going on. There are there um, are a few. So uh, South uh, came out pretty good this year. They came so, out pretty strong. Came out uh, real strong. They look really good. Uh, those who were at the at the game, they they saw a very. Uh, Different offense, a lot of new faces. Uh, Carter Bradley at quarterback, he's a Toledo transfer. LaDamian Webb uh, at running back, he started out at Florida State, ended up at Jones College in Mississippi, at junior college. Uh, big difference for the running game there. Braylon McReynolds, the true freshman from McGill, got in, uh, scored a touchdown. Um I mean, they had Jalen Wayne, the other Jalen last yes, year when right. Jalen Talbert was there. He's now the Jalen this year, and uh, he had two long touchdown uh, passes from Bradley. So the offensive line looked looked good. So I mean, and the defense held them to held an offense that's generally very good. I mean, last year their running game was really strong, and they only had I want to say less than sixty yards rushing against uh, South's defense. So. Really good start for the didn't, Jags. Didn't they recently play Nichols too, like last season or the season before? No, it was five years ago, uh, wow, six okay. years ago, 16. Recently. And Nichols took them to overtime, and South had to stop a two point conversion. To right. Keep that's, that's my point, though. Yeah. You've really seen the growth in the program that they beat, oh, yeah, beat them 48 to 7. Yeah, I mean, they, they're 4 and 0 against Nichols all time, but all of those games, except maybe one, uh, now two, were, were pretty close. Uh, Nichols has got a good program. It's an FCS program, but it's a good, good solid team. So yeah, that's a good If you start. had to pick one thing that you saw from South that really uh, impressed you or, or amazed you, or that you thought was, I guess, surprised you, what was that? What would that be? Hmm. I don't know that it was a surprise because of the, discussion during the spring and during the preseason but the running game and the offensive line both looked very good and I think those were two obvious 
uh, points of emphasis yeah. going in. That's where they spend the most time as far as transfer portal, bringing new guys in. Uh, that was the emphasis to get the offense going. You already had a good passing game pretty much, but to be able to do that and to take away from the passing game, make them concentrate on the running game too, where they couldn't just load up defensively. I think that was a big factor. So now they've got a tough game this week at Central Michigan. Central Michigan's, uh, is another good program. That's yeah. going to be tough. So, you know, getting past them will be a key. And then it's UCLA after that. So it's, it's going to be an interesting next two or three weeks for them. Well, it's exciting to see them start out that well. By the time we turned the game on, it was like, man, this isn't even worth watching. They're really crushing. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Um, what, uh, you know, what about our, our other in-state college teams? Uh, yeah, let's what, talk what, about you, those. I, I thought that's what you'd want to talk yeah, about, yeah. Dale. What, what did you see this week? Anybody want to talk about, Dale? Uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about Bryce Young and his six touchdowns, five five passing in the first who, half and one rushing touchdown. It doesn't matter. They played. They played. There it is. No, no. They played. They played. Okay, let me listen. They played Utah State, who was eleven and one last season, and they took them to the woodshed at fifty-five to nothing. They did take them to the woodshed. And so, I thought Bryce uh, Young did great in his commercial. And in his in his yeah. commercial. I think know. they were eleven and one. Weren't they? Something like that. He was in the Dr. Pepper commercial. I thought Bryce yeah. Young did very well. He did. He, he did. He did a very he good was job. kind of a natural. That might have been a better performance than, than against Utah State. I was impressed. I was like, this guy's pretty smooth. He's got some chance. He, he was good. I, he I had was, almost. If this very, football thing doesn't work he out. He was for not him. wooden at all. He seemed like an actor. He yeah, was. He was really good. Bryce is not not known for for running, but he had over he had a hundred yards rushing against uh, against the Aggies. Bryce just called. He said. Hush. <laughs> oh, right. So, uh, so we got the big matchup with Texas this week, which I'm looking forward to. 11 a.m. kickoff. That'll, yeah. be, that'll be another game in which and, uh, Alabama, Auburn, Auburn Alabama pre- will dominate. Auburn looked pretty good too. I guess they were playing Mercer though, which they had a couple of. Uh, they were playing Mercer though, but Utah State. Okay, Utah State's uh, better than Mercer. So anyway, Utah State's better than yeah, Mercer. Auburn. You know they got some help there in a the running game. They don't just have to depend on Tank. Uh, they had another player step forward. That that was good. I think uh, they didn't dominate like some other schools in the state. UAB won yeah. fifty nine to nothing against Alabama A and M. Yeah, so they looked pretty good. So you know, state team and uh, the other Division one team in the state, Troy, played at Ole Miss. They didn't do themselves any any damage. I mean, they what it was. I think it was twenty eight ten. That's yeah. pretty good yeah. at at Ole Miss is a top twenty five team. So that's not a bad showing. Local kid, Carlton Marshall, the linebacker, has a chance to break the NCAA Division One record for career tackles. He had 11 wow. against okay. Ole Miss, and that ain't nothing. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he can keep that pace up. I think it, if he averages 11 a game, he will break the record. That's pretty impressive. So that's, a lot pretty of a, that's a lot of tackles, that though. That's a lot yeah. of tackles. But, but there's a lot of plays. He could do it. How about them dogs? Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, Georgia looked impressive yeah. against against good. Oregon. They looked really they looked really impressive. How about Florida? Florida beats Utah Florida beat was number Utah. seven pick. They yeah. jumped like sixteen spots. Right. Like, six wow. spots. Do you see the fake pass? Yeah. That was incredible. That was great. That and was then really we have great. a lot of uh, we have a lot of LSU fans in the area too, and they can they can suck on it. Hey, hey, uh, wow, there wow. it is. Because wow. uh, somebody edited that out. Going to your car. I, I don't somebody know. Somebody bleep that out. Jeez. Tommy, Tommy, I, I, I don't it's know how you quality. feel. Is Florida State is Florida State that good, or is LSU just that bad? You think? 
Because they did I not th- impress. I think there were some questionable decisions toward the end of the game. I don't, I don't think either one of them are world beaters. I think that's just it. I think they're both kind of equal. And that's what you saw. I mean, 24-23. Yeah, it can't get much more equal than that. So, so I equal. saw something about one of the receivers deciding to jump into the transfer portal after the game because he said that uh, it caught, didn't he call uh, Brian uh, what's his name Kelly is it? Kelly yeah call him call him a or is it a joke was it real okay oh oh okay so he's not jumping into the transfer portal immediately oh Oh, that's misinformation disappointing disinformation here (laughs) okay well um so how about high school kids we got got stuff yeah we had uh one thing cole blaylock the running back kick returner defensive you know he does everything at uh ums he uh committed to south alabama this week uh, this last week uh he had he had zero offers and the kid was a first First-team All-State player last year with 1,300 yards rushing, like 25 touchdowns or something like that. And uh, this year he already has 10 touchdowns in three games, 700 and some odd uh, all-purpose yards already just in three games. And he he got an offer from South, and a few days later he committed to South. He said that's yeah. one of the schools that he had always wanted to go to. He, because he, he would like to stay local and have family come watch him play and stuff. So that's a good story. It's a good pickup for South, I think. Really good kid. So uh, that'll be good. And you got a story about another local kid d- done well, Riley Leonard. At Riley Leonard, former Fairhope quarterback. He's sophomore at Duke. He was named the starting quarterback uh, the week of their first game last week and uh, went out through for more than 300 yards and two touchdowns. Was also their leading rusher. At 64 yards rushing. So, really good start for them. 30, 30 and 0 win over Temple. Temple, not the greatest competitive team in the world, but a really great start for, for Riley. We'll, we'll know more this week. They play at Northwestern. So. Yeah, a little bit tougher game. A little bit tougher game. All right. Maybe slightly, well, slightly tougher. Yeah. Well, we're going to Utah State. They don't have Utah State. All right. At that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly. Hero Sports Bar and Grill now open seven days a week at both locations. Ask about our new hot wings, the Singapore Sting and the Nature Boy. Come have a clipper at Hero's, Mobile's own since 1998. Hero Sports Bar and Grill now offers curbside seven days a week. Call 433-HERO for Dolphin Street or 341-WING for Hillcrest. Try our kick-ass spinach and crawfish dip. And thanks for supporting Heroes, a Mobile original since 1998. And we are quiet. And we're back with uh, a lot of suppressed laughter here. You guys are trying to laugh off microphone here. Um, so Scott's a problem. He's, he's, he's a problem. Yeah, he's got issues. Um, yeah. There's So uh, the, the city council is talking more about annexation once again. Uh, Dale, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we they were talking we're, about We're going to do a little bit of a speed round here, guys, because we're going to try to cover yeah. a few things. So. Yeah, they were talking about annexation because I made them talk about annexation. Yeah. But yeah, I, I pulled the city council members for a story uh, on annexation for this week's paper. And, and basically, it's everybody seems to be keeping an open mind about it. The, the, the overwhelming 
the overwhelming feeling is that they all believe that the city needs to grow. I think they disagree on, on what it's going to take to make that happen. But I'm going to tell you this annexation plan that the, the mayor's going to, going to put out when it's finished. I think we've seen some, uh, estimates of it 26,000 or so people i guess the number's not there right now but it's it's close 26,000 backing off that number a little bit yeah and i don't know whether it's because they've added to it or or not but i know that they've made a concerted effort to add communities uh, of folks that would that would kind of even out the try to even out the demographics a little bit to make it more palatable for for council members uh, but I got to tell you, if, if this one doesn't, if, if we don't see the city council get on board with this one, I I don't think it's going to happen. So yeah. this is this is I think this is the last shot. And and honestly, I think the people in Westmobile who are getting kind of fed up with being being jerked around a little bit, uh, I think you're going to see them make a decision whether to seek annexation from another city or just become the city of Westmobile. So I think uh, those are the options. I, I hear through the grapevine that you know that. Um, Sam Jones and, and, uh, you know, some of the, um, new South coalition people are, are behind or they're, they're interested in seeing annexation at this point. They feel like it's time for the city to annex. Um, Oh, they, they, they're on board. That's what I hear. Okay. So I think that there's opportunities there from that standpoint, um, to get something. I mean, obviously I think everything that we see is going to have to be, uh, predicated on whether we get, the right racial mix, because of course that's everything in mobile, right. you know, it's, it's making people happy in that regard. But, but, but I think you, what you saw with redistricting kind of the, at the very end, folks working together to get that number where I think everybody was comfortable with the district seven yeah. being 73% uh, black voter age population. I, I think that's really kind of maybe softened some of the it, views it, on annexation. It may ultimately come up to, you know, come out that people can feel like they can work together a little yes. bit more. I think you're right. I, I think it feels like that, Hey, that, you know, there's n- everybody's not in these as hardened positions as they were maybe after it, it which is know, good. It's good for it, the city. It, if yeah, people feel that way, it is. It is. Um, so Kyle, one of the things we've got com- going on possibly here is the, USS Enterprise could come here, right? Yes, yes. Fans of nuclear-powered ships. Live long and prosper. Live, live long. long and prosper. Oh, this, so this is not Star Trek, yeah. then? Not, not, not the same one that <laughs> we all know Star and Trek. love, but, but the uh, So nobody's first... spitting on Captain Kirk. <laughs> yes, there will be no spitting that, on, on, on Captain right. Kirk off the deck this of is... the aircraft carrier, the Enterprise. Sorry to our listeners who have no idea what I'm talking about. But anyway. Yes. Which yeah. is most of them. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. Well, yes, yeah, some uh, some papers from the Navy and I believe the Environmental Administration or something, whatever that that group is, they published a draft statement saying that the USS Enterprise could possibly be, you know, torn apart down here in Come here and Mobile. scrapped out in Mobile, scrapped out. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all of the reactors, you know, taken apart and shipped off to a a different city for disposal. Um, so this, so this could be be coming to our shipyards. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see it, right? You know, um, just because aircraft carriers, being what they are, they're pretty mm-hmm. massive and they're kind of cool to look at. The mm-hmm. I had, and as we've joked before, it would glow in the dark. It which would, would be. So I, it would I, glow. I had somebody that wrote me, and when they when we wrote about this, and and. Uh, I you know, said, why don't we put that thing out at Battleship Park? They really ought to do that. And I kind of thought, man, that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Then I read your story and found out there were yes. eight nuclear reactors in there, right? It and, is. Yeah. And it's still 
pretty radioactive at this yes, point, it right? Is. So yes, it is. I don't so, know that could they possibly ever get it to be not radioactive. That's the question. I I, I'm really not sure about that, no. but it, but that's that's part of what they're going to have to do is get rid of that radioactive you know stuff from it and so we're, get it out of we're town. interested in bringing radioactive scrap metal to Mobile. In other words, that's yeah. that's what could be happening. Yeah. So that and they would take the radioactive metal and they would put that they would send that to somewhere else to yes the radio next to the they would bury it in the delta it goes yes, to plant berry mm-hmm. yes and then they would yeah they would scrap out the rest of it i it is it would be really cool though i mean i think it would be kind of amazing if you had an aircraft carrier and the battleship out there but you know again but you, one glows i mean look people could wear radioactive suits that would be part of the deal you know yeah. wouldn't it be kind yeah. of fun I mean, it didn't put on your hazmat <laughs> suit to go tour the. the, the Everyone gets the a handheld carrier. Geiger counter. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel Sounds, almost yeah. certain. Yeah. Man in the gift shop. Yeah. yeah. All right. This, Sounds like a Simpsons this, thing. Yeah. This is probably gonna, this may fall into the category of total disinformation, but I'm pretty oh, no. certain. But I'm going to go ahead and do it because uh, it's a yeah, podcast, you know. I, and um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that ship was the one that was featured in some old Charlton Heston movie where as a uh, inter- aircraft carrier went through some time warp or something. Hey. And, and that's, uh, I'm, I think that's the one that no was No one's going to gonna be. preview right or wrong. On exactly. This. I mean, because I think that could happen. That could they, have been the case. They could have been, they could have gone through the transfer yeah. portal. I yeah. Mean, where's, could yeah. Have been anything. where's Tommy? I think he was a, uh, he was an extra in that movie. I think he was. was Tommy. Yeah, he was. I'm but, pretty yeah, sure he this was. This thing saw, saw action. Heston stand in. Yeah. 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 Stunt yeah. double. Yeah. Stunt double. Yes. Yeah. This thing's I'm looking that action thing up the, as soon as we get off this The uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, the bombing of L- Libya, the Persian Gulf War. It, it has a long c- career. Well, so. it, it's fitting that it comes here to get torn apart. Then yeah. that's good. <laughs> comes here to die. All right. Well, um, so we'll, we'll change subjects here. We've got um, the DA's race here locally is uh, one that, that has some interest, but it has interest to the the Republican Executive Committee. Yeah. Why? Uh, Moshe Donald, the Democratic candidate for DA, kind of got dragged into the middle of the closed primary debate in the Republican Party. Which is the closed primary debate, basically, is the, the Republican Executive Committee in Alabama says, we don't want any non-Republicans voting in our primaries anymore. Yeah. So if you're you not be- a registered Republican... We don't want you voting. Exactly. Yeah. And so what happened with Moshe, someone found out that she voted in the GOP primary. Right. And now that now they're throwing that out as evidence. Hey, look, they're Democrats are fraternizing in our primary elections. They're, they're coming in and voting in our elections. They're they're determining they're helping determine our elections. Um and she, you interviewed her. Yeah. What was her reasoning for all that? She's very reasonable. She's, you know, she she said it in her statement. I'm an intelligent voter. I know what I'm doing. And she has some good points. So there, on the on the Democrat GOP, sorry, in the Democrat primary, they only had three races. Two of them were for governor and uh, U.S. senator. So there was one local race, which was uh, I think it was the state senate race, and. You know, other than that, there was nothing else to participate in. And she wanted to vote for the judges and the judge, I think it's district judge and Alabama Supreme Court judge, who she would have, you know, pretty professional interactions with because she's an attorney and she would be DA if she wins. Uh, And the 
the winner of the GOP primary would be the one who decides who those judges are. So. Let's let's not get lost in this too. That she right now is legally allowed to vote in whichever primary right. she wants. Oh, yeah. I mean, is it unusual for a candidate of another party to do it? I mean, I I don't know. I guess I guess it might be. I mean, I vote in either primary depending on what the races are like, though. Too. I mean, I've yeah. done the same thing. Yeah. I think most of us do. Yeah. If they if they make this move, it's going to be. I, I think. It would be a huge mistake. Last, do you feel like it? Does it feel like a disenfranchisement if you're not? Yeah, I don't want to have to sign up and pledge allegiance to a party. You know, I'm not I mean, gonna. Like, I won't I mean, I'm do proud it. Proud to be an independent and decide who I want to vote on every yeah. time. I mean, I don't. I don't. I. I, I think that it would be a really big mistake it, it does to me that. too and they're gonna they're just gonna fringe everyone so we're gonna end up with crazy fringe people it's gonna what. be it's gonna be roy moore every election I mean, it's just, yeah i don't I, even if the republican party um overlords want that right now I, trust me that they're gonna hate it well does it ultimately open a door for other for for maybe independent candidates yeah, or you, yeah. or other or if democrat if the democratic party can actually put some people in these races, does it open the door for those folks? Yeah, but I mean, it's just going to be so hard to get it off. I mean, you know how difficult it is. And to, people to vote straight party so often, too. Yeah. That's, or does it just drive voter turnout? I just think down it drives to it like to 1%, nothing. And it's know, like, well, we have. I was going to ask it to get it. Does it even, I mean, I mean, if you want to get cynical and depressed, which, which I, I, do. I am. Absolutely. <laughs> which I am about politics in this That's state. That's why I came here for I that. I mean, we have an. Uh, We've had what two eighty, almost eighty year old governors in a row who won't debate or talk or do anything, yeah. and who will not right. speak to the media. I mean, it's not like we have a, a really healthy, you know, electorate, right? And you know, election system right now, anyway. So I yeah, mean, my, we're going to get whoever the party leaders pick, anyway. The, essentially, this this weekend I was t- at my, with my parents and talking to one of my brothers who lives out in Arizona, and he was just incredulous that. Uh, one of the candidates for governor doesn't want to debate. And I was like, we haven't had a gubernatorial debate. And I, I don't know I how can't long. remember. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember Riley? the last time. Was Riley the last I one? I think he was probably, <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time, but yeah, I think this, this whole concept of, of blocking people from the primary, especially in a, in a state where essentially, I mean, the Republican party dominates, they hold every statewide office and, you know, a they have huge, a super majority in the legislature right, already. In the legislature, yeah. you're, it does feel like you're being very disenfranchised at that point. And I mean, it's, it is going to, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a backlash on that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I've heard that this is probably going to be DOA at least, uh, yeah. this year in the legislature. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere according to my sources, yeah. but we'll see. I mean, it can when, always change. I mean, it's like having your cake and eat it too. You've already made the democratic, you know, Primaries just irrelevant. I mean, look at the la- look at, at this, this last point. one. It I was mean, awful. You've made it so irrelevant that no one even knows what's but, on the ballot at this point. But yet, that's not good enough. And I, mean, I think right. that's I think right. that's the point that people really ought to think about in this is it's not that Democrats are coming in and voting in their primaries and causing Republicans to lose races. Right. It's that they are. It's not the right Republicans, quote unquote, from the from the executive committee are right. losing. You know, they're not winning the races they want them to win. It's like the one, um, I can't remember the two gentlemen. that Watley and yeah. Covey, I think, yeah, yeah. And, and Auburn. I mean, yeah. yeah, so, you know, the guy that was a, the the guy who was in office, I think they spent over $100,000 trying to get him reelected. The, the guy who ended up winning by one vote had spent almost nothing. 
and the Republican Party the, you kind know, of puts them, the power structure. And, yeah, and they yeah. and they worked so hard to try to get him, you know, get him back in, and it just you know it's not it's not that they're. I mean, these guys are both Republicans, but it wasn't the one they wanted, right. and that's what sent them over the edge over on all this stuff. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I think it's a I think it's a horrible idea, and also I don't think they should get any tax money. I don't think they should be allowed to use tax money. I don't think if they're going to have a party primary that is about their party, they should have to pay for it. And uh, and and to that to that end, the rep- the area representatives that are both named Chris Pringle and Elliot have both said that they would not be fo- if if the Republicans are going to split are going to close the primaries. They the party should yeah. pay for the for yeah. the elections. Yeah. Now the, the the John Wall, the Republican Executive Committee Chairman, has said in no other state does that happen. Right. Well, but but at least two of our representatives think that it should. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, well, hopefully it won't make it through. And it's a it, it does seem kind of ridiculous and a, and a knee jerk reaction to something that isn't even a problem. But anyway, well we'll uh, we're going to call it quits on that note, and we will we'll be back next Thursday. Thanks for listening, folks. The Lagnapod is a Something Extra publishing production. Executive producers are Rob Holbert and Ashley Trice. Music is by Some Paul Sounds and Electra Animals. Only subscribers like you have access to this podcast. Tell your friends they can sign up at my.lanyapmobile.com. For advertising opportunities, please call 251-450-4466.